Culture Map presents What's Eric Eating? From the Gal Media Studios in Houston, Texas, here's Culture Map food editor Eric Sandler. Welcome to What's Eric Eating? Culture Map's weekly look at all things Houston bars and restaurants. I'm your host, Culture Map food editor Eric Sandler. I have Philip Sitter from King's Beer House coming up in a little bit. But first, I'm joined by my co-host this week. He is a passionate advocate for the Houston food scene and a frequent traveler and a good friend. Matt Harris, welcome to the show. How are you? Doing well, sir. Thanks for having me. Thanks for being here. Let us dive right into the news of the week. Topic number one, there is a very cool coffee pop-up happening right now in Montrose. Cafe Bustello, the popular Latin-themed coffee brand, has set up a shipping container on Montrose Boulevard, just north of West Alabama. This has gotten an incredible reaction from people. People are really excited about Cafe Bustello. I have to admit, I am not familiar with that that brand. Are you? Uh, I am. Um, I do like that coffee. Um, and uh, will, on occasion, even seek it out. <laughs> have you been to the... It's. We should say this is a this is a shipping container that they've converted into a cafe, so it's got, you know, inside there's coffee and a little bit of seating and a bunch of Cafe Bustello swag, and you can sit on the roof of the shipping container and get a little patio vibes. Uh, have you been? I have not. I will be honest. I thought it was a little further north on Montrose, and, uh, you know, that's, that's right in the hood. Um, for the people at home, I just want you to know I have my hat on backwards today. So, people yeah, been, this is like cool, Matt. People have been asking me, so yes, it is on backwards today. Um, he uh, and I drove by and I, and and there it was. I was like, oh wow, yeah, you can't miss it. It's bright yellow. Yeah, it, it uh, and and had a fair number of of uh, people in there, and I would say this was uh, Sunday morning, Saturday or Sunday morning. I'm not sure which one. Right. I, I would say I I have to. So I wasn't really aware of this brand. I had no idea how popular this was going to be, but it is a bona fide phenomenon. People are lining up to get their Cafe Bustello fix. I, yeah, no, I get it. I, I, like I said, I will, I will certainly uh, um, like their coffee and, and even seek it out at times. Yeah. So I'll it's be very rich. Yeah, very rich, kind of an espresso-style brew. I, I'm looking forward to having a, a cafe con leche. See, si. <laughs> All right, and that will be in place until, I think, May 25th before they're going to put that shipping container on the back of a truck and take it to some other city. So Plenty got, of time to get by. Plenty of time to get by. Plenty of time to let the frenzy die down a little bit. Hit it on like a Wednesday morning at 9 a.m. when there will, in theory, at least be fewer people there. Yes. All right. Topic number two. Chef Brandy Key has a new job. She is now the culinary director for Claire Smith's restaurants. They are Alice Blue, Canopy, and Wood Bar. She is starting with Alice Blue, the Heights restaurant that used to be called Shade. And uh, Claire flipped the, flipped the script on that a couple of years ago as a kind of European style bistro, gave it a new name, new decor. Um, Jason Vaughn and Sean Jensen, who would go on to 
opened Nancy's Hustle, consulted on the beverage list and the opening menu and kind of was kind of their practice before really going off on their own. So, you know, I'm just going to, I'm going to throw it to you. Are you a Brandy Key fan? Yes. Big fan. <laughs> Have you been to Alice Blue previously? You know, I did not make the Alice Blue reincarnation. Uh, had had some good meals at Shade, but uh, uh, those were, I would say, a few years back, if yeah. not several. Right, right. We can say Shade was one of the very first restaurants in the Heights on 19th Street that operated with the the old club liquor license. And now all the laws have changed. You don't have to do that anymore. But but Shade was really in the vanguard along with restaurants like Glass Wall and maybe the first Liberty Kitchen to kind of see opportunity in the Heights. That concept had kind of run its course. That's why Alice Blue opened. But I don't know that Alice Blue ever really lived up to its potential. And so I'm excited about this because I've always enjoyed Brandy's work, right? We know her. I mean, she's been on the show before. She spent several years with Clark Cooper opening Copa and then Punks and Salt Air. Air. Yeah, that was kind of her baby. And so... You know, I'm excited. I'm excited for Brandy because this is seems like a very good opportunity. She she had a very brief run with Lasco Enterprises, so seems like a good landing spot for her. And I'm excited for Alice Blue because I I just never felt like that restaurant clicked in the way that I wanted it to. Brief run at Lasco. Where's my shocked face? <laughs> yeah, those never happen. Uh, but uh, Brandy um, is, I think, talented. She's a great person, um, and uh, really, it's enough. That that uh, is enough to get me to to try whatever this. Well, yeah, it's still be. Alice Blue. It's still just, Alice Blue, but and, it's now quote an American bistro. I'm not 100 percent sure what that means, but they're going to keep the pasta program, the house made pasta program, and the breads that they were baking. Obviously, Brandy has a ton of experience making pasta from her time at Copa. So I'm in on all of that. They're reopening for lunch now. Uh, they had stopped serving lunch previously. They're doing afternoon tea during the week with the reservation. I assume that the nice. brunch will be banging because you have to do brunch in the Heights. So yeah, I think this is all, this is all good news for both Alice Blue and Brandy King. Yes. Okay. Topic number three. There's a new common bond. In the medical center at the intersection of Holcomb and Greenbrier or adjacent to the medical center. I had someone on social media point out that it's not actually in the medical center. It's one major intersection west of the medical center. Well, my favorite people are technical people. Yeah, my favorite people are neighborhood pedants. You can't call that the heights. It's something, it's not the heights. It's like... uh. It's very, very close to the Heights. Anyway, this is not close to the Heights. This is close to the medical center. Jesu Heights. Close to close to Rice University, uh, close to West University, and most importantly, a not huge distance from the original Common Bond in Montrose, but far enough away that it's you're probably, if you live in West U or Rice Village, you probably weren't going to Common Bond. Now you have a Common Bond you can go to. Yes. So two things. One, nice, nice use of 
pedants there. And two, have you forgiven me for not going to Common Bond the other day? The new Common Bond. Yes, because I went to the Common Bond and I found it to be, it looks like Common Bond, right? They hired construction concepts to handle that build out for them. They, it used to be called Eclair. It was a different bakery. It looks like Common Bond, so check there. And it has all of my favorite, you know, croissants, pastries, those ridiculously good chocolate chip cookies present and accounted for, and they taste like the same as the ones in Montrose. So mission accomplished. Very nice. You're a Common Bond fan. I feel like we've discussed this before. Absolutely. You go there for dinner. What do you get at dinner? Uh, well, I will tell you several things. Uh, the Nashville hot chicken is delicious. We almost always get a jambon y queso baguette, the whole portion, not the half. Get it toasted. Pro tip there. Uh, the salads, little petite salad as an add-on. Add-on. It's delicious. The shrimp and grits. Really? Yes. So uh, those uh, those pass it to, I have a. Uh, um, significant other who is who's a, a taskmaster on on shrimp and grits, and they they pass her test with flying colors. Um, it it's really they do a really good job at dinner, and their baked goods just are fantastic. Yeah, and they're this is the first of what could be several new locations for Common Bond. Uh, there's one in the Heights Waterworks that's official. That's happening sometime in the next few months. They were in negotiations for a location downtown at Understory. I don't know if that's been signed, inked, but it was it was in negotiation. They will likely have a presence in Midtown at an undisclosed location. And then they're working on uh, Springwoods Village up, uh, up in the north side near the Exxon campus. So it's an exciting time for Common Bond. And just judging by a quick visit to buy a couple of pastries, at the new location, they're handling the growth well. And that location will, that new location near the medical center will expand physically a little bit. They're going to add some more seating in an adjacent space and put in the full coffee bar just like they have in Montrose. So it will really be an identical Common Bond experience. And this is this is a very logical thing for Common Bond to do. It's been it's been very successful in in Montrose, and that's a concept that can be replicated, and they've put in a a commissary kitchen and, and some leadership infrastructure to support that growth. So yeah, I think this is, again, it's a very upbeat episode of the news of the week. This is good news. Good news. <laughs> All right. Topic number four, Bernie's burger bus has opened in Missouri city. People are going kind of crazy. <laughs> that was very loud. All right. So I stopped by Saturday evening just to say hi and check on them. And they had closed the dining room to new orders because the wait from order to delivery of food had spiked to an hour. So they were just shuttling people through the drive-thru. Those burgers are physically smaller. They use two three-ounce patties instead of one six-ounce patty, so they cook more quickly. People were waiting half an hour or more in the drive-thru. I'm glad they have podcasts and other things to listen to while they do that. Uh, yeah, people are really excited about Bernie's, Bernie's in Missouri City. So we should send a memo to Mr. Hoffman and say, Ken, don't go to Bernie's Burger Bus right now in Missouri City. 
I, I am not touching that with a 10-foot pole. I will say, I talked to Justin Turner, the owner of Bernie's Burger Bus, who said he's going to figure it out. Like, they're going to they're gonna spend this week studying the menu, figuring out whatever changes they have to make, whether they have to add equipment. Uh, but I knew that things had gone a little squirrely when I walked into Bernie's and someone said, hey, I'll tell Justin you're here, but he probably can't talk to you because he's cooking. Now, he has spent several years building up a team of people to the point where he does not have to do the cooking. So the point at which he is doing the cooking is the point at which something has gone not to plan. Yes, or just way over plan. Yeah, right. Many So they set, so the new Bernie set a one-day sales record on the Friday on their first full day of operations. That's for any for the one-day sales of any Bernie's location so far. And then they broke it on Saturday. And considering that Friday was Lent, and in theory at least, people are eating less red meat because it's Lent, that's bonkers. That's pretty crazy. Yeah. So congratulations to Bernie's on being a bona fide frenzy in Missouri City. And to the people of Missouri City, we say... They, nobody wants you to wait an hour for a burger. Like, no, that is not that is not the goal. No, this no. is not Hop Dotty or Shake Shack where they like they want to run a line as like some sort of hype thing. It's like no, no, they want to get you the food much more quickly than that. But they're going to have to change some things to accommodate the demand that exceeded their so significantly exceeded their expectations. Yes, but and but also still plan to go. I mean, Justin is talented not just as a chef but you know this isn't his first rodeo i have a lot of confidence in him to get this figured out very quickly and it's a good problem to have i mean here's the deal their burgers are delicious their fries are delicious their shakes are delicious and they do things the right way um and i think it's great that missouri city is responding and and i would if i had words to offer i would just say just Plan on if you want to go to Bernie's Burger Bus in Missouri City, just plan on going. Yeah, just plan on going. Be a little bit patient. They have ten beer taps, twenty five beers and bottles and cans, and frozen cocktails. All of those seem like a pretty good way to occupy yourself while you're waiting. And the other thing they have that no other Bernie's has, at least yet, is dipped cones. Um, excuse me. Yes, your choice, vanilla soft serve with your choice of chocolate or butterscotch. And then they have toppings that include candied bacon and beaver nuggets, which I have a feeling they're going to get a cease and desist. They're not going to be allowed to, to tell people they're actually getting them from Bucky's for very long. So let's call them sweetened corn snacks. Uh, but yeah, you can get a butterscotch dipped cone with sweetened corn snacks on it. And it is all good things. What about River Dam Mammal Nuggets? Yes. Yes. I think that'll pass the... Uh... Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> river River Mammal Snacks. Yes. yes. I think that's, that's, that's the right this theme. Free, free legal advice here. All right. Yeah, that's worth exactly what you paid for it. All right. That does it for the news of the week. We'll be right back with our restaurants of the week. Stick around. You're listening to... What's Eric eating? So, Matt, for our restaurants of the week, I want to talk about two different places, starting with the new Perry Steakhouse in River Oaks. 
this is we we've talked about the opening of this location on the show a couple of times. This is the new flagship for Perry's and you know, it's very rare for a Houston restaurant to expand beyond the confines of say the Grand Parkway. But the Perry's folks are in a bunch of places. They're in Chicago and Alabama and Florida and I want to say Denver. Uh, it's it's a highly successful steakhouse concept. They're in every major suburb. This is their first location inside the loop. You're a steakhouse fan. What did you think of the new Perry's? Well, I thought they spent a lot of money on the build out. They did, and it and it's it looks beautiful. It's it's very striking. Um, yes, um, we we sat upstairs for the meal. Right, it's all bar downstairs, which you give it a nice, lively happy hour scene, and they have a very affordably priced happy hour, so I think that's going to work out really well. Mm-hmm. But yes, upstairs is the main dining room with the glassed-in kitchen and I, a lot of seats. I mean, I I don't know, 150 or more. Right. Yeah, I um, the uh, steak was a miss for me. It was a little over. Yeah, we got a bone-in ribeye. Maybe, yeah, it's... Those cuts are tricky because it will always be more rare towards the bone and less rare away from it. And so the the very best steakhouses can navigate that. But yes, it was parts of it were over and parts of it were on. Yes. It, the flavor was was there. Uh, although it was overcooked a little bit. But we had dishes that we enjoyed. I mean, they've recently hired Rick Moon in to come in and and help them with some menu items. We had a salt-crusted branzino that was flaky and moist and very tasty. And we had a snapper crudo that I really liked. Yes, the the starters and the smaller plates were certainly delicious. Um, both of those dishes were were memorable, particularly branzino. It was done really, really well. Um, yeah, fried asparagus with the crab meat, a Perry's classic. That was solid. Uh I remember like really good, really gooey mashed potatoes. Uh, I don't know about gooey, uh, but they were velvety. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't mean gooey in a bad way. I mean like cheesy and rich. Uh, need a little salt for me. I have a salty palate. Um, but it was, it was just, it was all kind of close, but not, it's not going to stop me from going to Vic and Anthony's or. Yeah, I mean, that's an interesting, they're in an interesting place in the market because they're a traditional steakhouse at a time when Houston is seeing sort of riffs on the traditional steakhouse, right? Like mm-hmm. Dory Metropolitan that took not over. not going to stop me from going to Dory's. Right, it's not going to stop you from going to Dory's, right? Still doing the dry-aged steaks, but with those Mediterranean sides and starters, very vegetable-focused, like very slight molecular touches just to kind of make you say, wow. Right, Georgia James with that like hearty southern sides and the Asian inspired touches and all cooked on either cast iron or grilled over wood. So, you know, very flavorful from a, you know, great crust, great texture on the steaks at Georgia James. And then, you know, all the traditional places. I mean, downtown has both the Pappas Brothers and Vic and Anthony's. So it's a it's a competitive market that Perry's is in the middle of. It is, and and it was, and you know, as far as the price range goes, it, that that was the price range. It was not. Um, no, I mean, we spent with very little alcohol. We spent about two hundred fifty dollars on dinner for three, 
And we ordered a little heavy because we wanted to try stuff, but not an inexpensive proposition. No. Which, you know, is fine. And it's only one visit. Um, I think they have, a obviously, the number of locations they have speaks well of their track record. Um, but it is a competitive market. And, you know, it's not going to stop me from going to Georgia James or Vic and Anthony's or Dory's or probably a handful of others. Um, but it's a little different. For me, it's a little different scene. Yeah, and it'll be interesting to see if they can cultivate that bar crowd, that happy hour crowd. I mean, I have the feeling that it's going to be a hot spot in River Oaks, at least for a little while, because that that crowd always likes the novelty of something new. But, you know, can it can it build on that? Can it become a, you know, a, de- a destination for business lunches and business dinners and special occasions? I mean, their track record in other parts of Houston says yes. Absolutely. Uh, but in a more competitive environment with other good choices near them, you know, we'll see. But engaging Rick Moonen is certainly a step to show that they're serious. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. He's a he's a culinary star for a reason and, and gives them culinary credibility that they have not had before. Right. Uh, uh, it, to me, it just feels like that's that's a place that needs to sit for a couple, three to six months and... Yeah, go we'll back go, for a return visit. And, yeah, we'll go back. Yeah, I think that's reasonable. We'll go back like this summer and see how they're doing. Yes. All right. And then uh, you humored me and and went out to Cyprus with me to Katsu Bar and Noodle. We humored each other, my friend. Because there is there are a few things more tempting than crispy fried pork cutlets in a spicy teriyaki sauce so yes so this is up in the uh vintage park area a former uh poke bar and and just as an aside i am all in favor of more poke bars turning into katsu bars that that suits my taste in food just fine uh matt i'm gonna throw this to you you go to japan on a regular basis how did katsu bar and noodle hold up compared to your experiences eating katsu overseas well i it's sort of like the premise of that question isn't really even fair it did not (laughs) that's a high bar any way shape or form i understand that japan has a love affair with corn but you do not find corn in the cabbage for tonkatsu in japan okay or a little carrot slaw thing um Actually, the, the the fried pork was was good. That was the best part. The fried pork was fine. It was crispy. It yep. was juicy. Yep. It was yep. flavorful. I was super happy with the fried pork. And to be able to get two cutlets and a salad and rice for eight bucks, that seems like a pretty good deal to me. It was very reasonable. They were, the portions were fair. Um, everything other than that was a miss and not by a little. Yeah, I think the biggest miss was the the curry. The what did you you got something on the side? I did. I I what what they were selling is curry on the side. Yeah, it, it it. I mean, I know Japanese curry isn't spicy like Indian curries, but it didn't even have that kind of rich savory flavor that I experienced at a place like uh, Ichi Udon or. Uh, 
or even um, go-go curry. It just, it, it was pretty flavorless. My udon was better, right? The noodles were nicely cooked. The broth was a little bland, but I think that's what udon broth is supposed to taste like. Um, no, the, the noodles were nice and spongy. Those, those were actually pretty good. The broth was a little flat. Um, but, um, that, uh, you know, I'm not, I I wouldn't go to necessarily go to a katsu place for udon. Um, but the noodles were surprisingly good. No, it is a $4 add on to our entree. Yeah. You got the udon add on. I got the curry add on and, and not to pile on the, the curry, but, it was, I think, at the time we said it, it was like a onion soup mix, but in a roux base. It was just, it was just weird. Right. So I'm going to say we're probably not driving out to Cyprus again for Katsu Bar. But if it were inside the loop, I would, it would go. I would go. It would be in the rotation for me. Particularly if I could order Katsu a la carte. Absolutely. All right. Matt, that does it for our restaurants of the week. Thank you very much. It's over? It's over. I don't have anywhere to go. Sorry, buddy. But you got to because (laughs) I will be right back with Philip Sitter. Stick around. You're listening to What's Eric Eating? I'm joined this week by Philip Sitter. Philip, I'm going to throw to you. What's What's your title in the King's family of restaurants? I'm president and my dad's founder. Okay. So we're you, called the King's Group now. We're a whole group. Yeah, because <laughs> you have you have three concepts. King's Beer Garden, the original right. in Pearland. King's Beer House in the Heights. And Egg House Gourmet. Right. Breakfast concept. Right. So we have, we have a lot to talk about. I always like to start at the beginning. How did you, how did you get involved in your father's business? Because, I, I mean, my... My memory of the story is that it started as a car wash. Yeah, I mean, it's a hell of a story. So the way that we started is we had King's Hand Car Wash, and we got that in 2009. And the way that that started was real simple. We were driving. We saw a car wash after Hurricane Ike. And uh, my dad and I were like, well, you know, what if we purchased this property and washed cars? And so we went to Indianapolis to Bling Bling Detail King to learn how to wash cars. That's how the King's name even came up. So it's called Bling Bling Detail King. And we learned how to wash cars properly and detail cars. And my dad and I have always been in business together, starting really at a really, really young age. We moved from Austria together in 1996. Um, so we started washing cars. The problem is that we were doing hand car washes and a lot of the trucks were lifted F-250s and keep in mind, this was my dad. My dad was 55 years old. I was 17 years old. And it wasn't like we were car wash owners and we got to watch, you know, have employees. You didn't have a crew. No, it was my dad and myself washing cars. And like, and, and my dad's a hoot. And if you've met him, uh, you know, Austrian, thick Austrian accent sounds a little bit like Arnold. Um, he's got the lederhosen on every day. If you don't know my dad, you would know he's the only person in Houston wears lederhosen seven days a week. So, uh, so yeah, we were washing cars and my dad, uh, he just had the idea as the car wash was getting busier and it was catching on to put a grill outside and to grill brats and give out free beer. And really it was just because he was nervous that was taking 45 minutes to an hour to wash the cars. And so he's like, well, I got to do something and gets the brats, gets the beers, puts on his later hosen and starts giving them out. And so we did that for about four to six weeks and he's out there just Thursday, Fridays and Saturdays. And is, you know, is amazing looking back at that and we're super grateful for it. And 
what happened was a city came down and this was, I guess, yeah, it's not actually legal. Yeah, no, well, we didn't know. <laughs> and my dad with his accent, you know, he was like, I have no idea. Um, and so they, they're like, hey, you know, we love what you're doing, but you can't do it. And that's really how the dream started of one day that we would open up a little, my dad would say a little bratwurst stand. And, and that's how the dream started. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's incredible how it's grown. I mean, that that King's the King's location in Pearland is a is a bona fide phenomenon. I mean it it it's now what like ten thousand square feet or some crazy. Yeah, thing. we started with forty five seats. Uh, we started with the first five employees from Craigslist. You know, the first five that came in got hired immediately. I remember our menu was hilarious. It was a Google uh, or excuse me a Microsoft Word page with a copy and paste of a Wiener Schnitzel on it, this, you know, describing just a copy and paste of what Wiener Schnitzel is because people would ask us, is it, was it a sausage due to, you know, obviously the Wiener Schnitzel fast food chain. And so it was just like my dad put, you know, the photo. He's like, hey, put this photo on and put this paragraph. And that's what we did. It was never supposed to be a serious restaurant. It was supposed to be car wash and get a bite to eat. Right. So how long did the so how long did you keep the car wash going before you gave that up? We, Before you figured out that there was there was more yeah, money in yeah. Here in so once we did our third expansion, the city asked us. Uh, well, we didn't have enough parking, and and at that point, we made the decision to tear down that car wash. And we loved the car wash. We just didn't love the car wash business, and so it was an easy choice for us. So, needless to say, it's been it's been highly successful. You opened King's Beer House in the Heights, or or I guess technically. Lazy Brook Timber Grove for yeah. all the yeah, right. the neighborhood people that yeah. are gonna come after me if I if I call that the heights. Right. Um a couple of years ago. Yeah. Uh from my perspective, it's been very well received. I mean, how do you how do you feel about your first couple of years in the new location? Well, I mean, it's blown out of water any expectations that we had. The reason we chose that property and we really feel as we anchored that property, because it was it was just I cycle just there for the longest time. I think it was about 10, 11 years, the landlord was telling us. And the reason why we chose that property is we noticed two things, that the Heights was busy and there wasn't any parking. And if all else, like if it just didn't, you know, if it was not successful at all, we could throw a hell of an Oktoberfest in the parking lot and that would make up for all any, you know, any problems. So that really, that's, that was our risk scenario is like, hey, our second location, let's just make sure we have enough parking so we can throw an awesome Oktoberfest. Well, and to that point, you know, if, if the original location kind of evolved over time and expanded. This was a real step up for you in terms of design. I mean, you have right. a beautiful beer garden that really kind of defines the space. I mean, what was it? I mean, what, what made you think, I guess, kind of looking back at it, that, that you wanted to take a real step forward in terms of your offerings and, and the design of the place? I thought what was created in Pearland couldn't necessarily be recreated. Just that energy of starting with 45 seats and expanding 13 times. I mean, keep in mind, we were detailing cars and doing oil exchanges on the bays next door, right? So every time we expanded, like, it was just like, it was very hodgepodge together. The kitchen there is incredible. It's, it's, uh, it's very thin, but very long. It's not like a proper kitchen at all. Um, and so I just didn't feel like I could recreate that sort of energy that Pearland created. And then I went out looking for concepts and looking for where I thought a American fusion German restaurant would go. And I looked at fine dining, like in Chicago, I believe it's called um, Bohemia, something like that. In Chicago, I went to Wurstküche in LA, and I was just kind of getting a feel of what new new age German food would look like. And then from that, 
Of course, I couldn't call it King's Beer Garden Restaurant because that would be the association of what we did in Pearland. So we called it King's Beer House, and we think of that more of as a German-American fusion and a proper beer garden. Yeah, I mean, it's a... It's an impressive place, and you've got you've got a lot going on. I mean, it's not just Oktoberfest, although that is a huge event for y'all. Yeah. I mean, you just came off a St. Patrick's Day weekend. Right. How was that? It was awesome. We love St. Patrick's Day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, St. Patrick's is awesome. Right. Everybody's everybody's Irish, even the German restaurant. Right, right. We 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 coined it as Kings Go Irish for the weekend. You know. So, but did you how is how has it evolved as an event space? Because that does seem to be a big a big part of your identity as I'd say roughly quarterly you throw one of these big parties. Yeah. So we have a mantra that we go with with our group, which is we're in the business of creating a unique environment for guests to forget their outside world for a while. So that's our thing. And so what we try to do is with our theme trivias, with St. Patrick's, with our summer rose party, we go all out as far as decor goes, the staff dressing up, the menu changes. Uh we really go all out with any event that we do, or we don't do the event. And so we found out that we're a third food, a third, uh, excuse me, a third food and drink, a third entertainment, and then a third of the atmosphere itself that kind of, you know, service atmosphere all that. All right. So then, so then you opened Egghouse Gourmet last year, the breakfast concept. Right. What kind of inspired that? Because if I, I mean, if I look at the pictures, you know, it's like this looks a little bit like Egg Slut in LA. Yes. But they don't do the croissants, and of course you're doing kolaches. That's very Texas. Yes. So, so how did you pull those various strains together? So Egghouse Gourmet was really my vision as a expanding into myself as a restaurateur and where I wanted to go with the business alongside with Kings. And really, it's I'm not a classically trained restaurateur. I kind of got you know trained through the fire of being in restaurants. My family's five generations in restaurants. My dad had 18 restaurants in Hungary, Switzerland, and Austria. My great-grandfather had restaurants, everybody. But I personally wasn't really in the restaurant business. Um, the way Egg House started was with the King's Kalachi pop-up. And we saw how popular the Kalachi pop-up was, and we loved it. I mean, besides, you know, baking is no joke, right? You get up 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock in the morning. It sounds so much easier than it is. Right. It's kind of one thing to grill sausages. It's another thing yeah. to bake. Bread. I have incredible respect for people that do anything when it comes to baking. It's unbelievable, incredible science. And so, yeah, we did the kolache pop-up. That got really popular. We started doing it at both locations. And then, you know, honestly, we actually were going to do King's Kolache House at first. That's what the concept was. And I just, something inside of me never felt like I really wanted to just double down or triple down in just kolaches because I love breakfast I've been to Excellent many of times, obviously inspiration there. I, I love Common Bond. I love going to different bakeries. I love uh, a lot when it comes to breakfast and baking. And so then, you know, I got inspired from Alfred's in L.A., which that's why I brought matcha in. You know, we're, we're, we're really, really heavy on the matcha at Egg House. We're about to actually introduce nitro matcha with coconut milk. And so we're just kind of inspiration throughout and making one concept that I felt fit that. Well, and, you know, it's, it is supremely well-branded. It's bright. It's colorful. It's, it's very, in, like, the, the interior is very Instagrammable, and the food is very Instagrammable. I mean, I, I assume that's very deliberate on your part. Yes, and the taste is as well. So we wanted to have a place that was beautiful inside, outside, Instagrammable. But if you came one time and you're like, well, it was great to take a photo of, but that's all it was. 
we we have enough places like that as well. So we didn't we didn't want to do that. We wanted to really go all out. No, you don't want to be rolled ice cream. Right. Yeah. Or whatever, whatever, whatever. You know, we have we have some fads. We have like the 24 karat gold uh, latte that we have and we have charcoal lattes and all that other stuff. But the the core of what we're doing there and the food and the quality of food is incredible. And, and I'm I'm I happily dine there four to five times a week. So safe to say you're looking for more locations for Egghouse Gourmet? Yes, for sure. I mean, it feels like something that could go into a food hall, for example. I don't know if that's in. Yeah, we looked at a food hall before uh, and we decided that we were wanted to be more at a freestanding or in a shopping center like what we have been doing. And then, I mean, you're, you're getting ready to open another King's Beer House in League City. Right. So this one's a little different because it's franchised. That's right, yeah. Why did you decide to go with the franchise model instead of owning it directly? That's a great question. So my dad has a legacy that he wants to leave, and I'm super proud to be a part of that legacy. And his legacy is that he wants to be one of the first German restaurants, German-Austrian restaurants, really we're Austrian, that has the capability of going nationwide. And franchising for us gives us the opportunity to do that um, with my dad being 66 years old. Sure. So, I mean, I guess, I mean, you, you have to look at a, a kind of beer oriented casual concept like, right. oh, I'll just say pluckers as one example. Yeah. I mean, you got to feel like there's room in the market for a German version of that built around sausages, schnitzel and, and a really great tap wall. Yes. So, so tell me about the process of identifying this first location in League City. Kind of why did that seem like the right opportunity to, to try this model out? Well, you know, just the person that we franchise to has been a family friend for 15 years, developer, uh, not, not a restaurateur, but a developer. And what was unique about this opportunity was the operating partner, the kitchen manager, the general manager have worked with us, with us, all three of them for two years now. So really, it's very unique because we were able to not do four weeks of training or six weeks of training open. We were able to really take our time and craft. As far as League City goes... It's fairly close enough to Pearland, but still further away. And when I go to the 646 market, I have trouble finding out where I want to eat. You know, I just feel like it's an underserved market when it comes to an alcohol-related concept. There's plenty of food out there, but as far as fun and entertainment and drinks and food, we didn't. We just didn't think that that uh, that space was served well enough. All right. So, so what's the status on the opening? When do you? When <laughs> do you a, think? Yeah, that, that's a that's a great question. So we're in training already. And so we're training there every single day now. All we're waiting for is the weather to clear up just a bit so we can pour the, the parking lot. So we should be within 30 days. Oh, that's, that's okay. So, so, so what do you think you're going to do next? Another franchise Kings or an Egghouse Gourmet? I mean, do you have like a, a timeline for more of them? Yeah, so we have League City that's coming up. And again, very weather dependent. So we're not going to announce any date until... For sure, we're 100% ready. Yeah, you have to have yeah. a parking lot. Yeah, that's, we ha- that's for sure. Uh, we can't even do our VIP opening, which we're famous for to do. Um, but the very next thing will be in, uh, the a second Egg House Gourmet location. That's that's what we're working on right now. And then then we have uh, another King's on the way, the King's Beer House. All right, so can we ask where the second Egg House is going to be? Yeah, right now we've got two LOIs out, so we're just kind of doing a little bit more research. But you will be the very first to know. Oh, good. I, I always like to hear that. Yeah. Um, yeah, th- I guess that's the one other thing is you kind of touched on it with the, the theme nights and the game nights. But you guys have built a really impressive community of fans. I mean, you have the loyalty program. You have the, the events. I mean, how's that evolved 
over time. I mean, when did you when did you kind of realize that that was something that was going to differentiate Kings from maybe some other restaurants in Houston? Well, I was just very realistic with myself. I started at 18 and I really didn't have any skill set as far as a restaurant tour goes. I wasn't trained in the kitchen. I wasn't trained as an operator. My experience in restaurants was six months working as a server at PF Chang's in Baton Rouge. And so I was like, well, you know, if I'm going to run a restaurant, I better get good at something. So I really, I spent a lot of, a lot of time learning marketing, learning branding, uh, learning events, learning how to execute that, learning really what customer service is and building, building a brand. And so that's just, that ended up becoming my passion. And so with that passion, I've just been working on that. So have you, is there anything you've tried that just like didn't work? Yes. Putting mahi mahi on the menu. <laughs> yeah, nobody's coming to you for seafood. Yeah, so we did a spring menu, I guess, our second year open. And I was like, oh, we're going to do fresh, and German food is typically heavy, and we're going to do a mahi-mahi. It was a complete disaster. I mean, the mahi-mahi was delicious, but nobody was ordering it. We went out to the point that we were even doing nights in Vienna, and I was looking at my dad with uh, hotels on the Hotel Zacher cookbook, how to do a trout, and uh, that was a complete disaster. No one, exactly, no one's coming to a restaurant for seafood. <laughs> What, uh, so, all right. So you now have two concepts or two and a half, I guess. Depending. Yeah. Do you, do you have ideas for other concepts? I mean, do you, do you, where do you see the Kings group growing? So we're going to continue franchising out and maybe a few more corporate stores of Kings beer house. And then, uh, we're really going to corporately expand uh, fairly aggressive, uh, with the egg house. If we find, if we find out our stride, still part of the egg house is finding out really exactly of who we are. As a, as a company, we've been open for almost eight months. And so finding out, I would have never thought our croissants were as popular as they are. That's become a staple on our menu. And at first it was just just a line item. And so really figuring out who we are. Part of my, I'm tw- I just turned 27, so a lot of me has been learning who I am as a restaurateur and what my goals are and you know what I, what I envision for my skill set to increase on. Yeah, so I guess from a, you know, you, you kind of got into this business by accident. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what do you think, or obviously you, you said you're very good at branding and kind of creating a community, but what are some areas that you kind of want to improve on before you take that next step as a company? The areas that I want to improve at as far as myself and as the company goes is just overall with our operations is the next big step is finding out what we did, we were rated number two of the top 150 best workplaces. And that was very easy when you had one restaurant. But now as we have two, three going on our first franchise is how do we expand what's made King special with keeping it special, right? That's my biggest area improvement is expansion and having that expansion controllable. And as far as being an entrepreneur, you know, being an entrepreneur of my dad is like expand, 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 right? That's part of the things that it almost becomes, um, it almost becomes like a drug, like wanting to do more, right? And so for me, toning that down and also doing it correct. Right. I mean, the, the history of Houston restaurants is is littered with restaurants that flew too close, like yes. promising concepts that flew too close to the sun and got their wings melted. That's 100% right, yeah. So you have to, so, but you want to be mindful of, I want to have both. Yeah. I want to, I want to have, I want to, I want to figure out what my personal balance is. I just had, I just had a daughter on December 8th and my wife, I'm blessed to have my wife as part of the company. She always has been. And, and so being a family man, restaurateur, an entrepreneur, we just developed a tech company for restaurants that's doing really well. And so just figuring out 
the balance of everything. Oh, what does the tech company do? We can't really talk about it right now, but we, okay. Yeah. But but we 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 we're do, we're working on something that we're gonna. We have a very large partner, uh, food distributor partner that we worked with the technology that works with branding, that works with loyalty, that works with a bunch of items that we're really successful at, and how to help other restaurants to do that as well. Yeah, I mean that. Yeah, talk about your your VIP club because it always just strikes me as like an incredible deal for anyone yeah. who who goes to Kings. Like basically, if you go twice a year, like you. You should probably sign up for it. So I had a really important distinction and I was like, man, we're spending money on advertising like any restaurant or any business would. And I was, I asked myself, what are we doing for customers that already love the brand? And besides just on their birthday, right? Everyone gets a free dessert for their birthday. Everyone gets a tsuki tsuki. That's all, that's all common. But if I'm going to spend $10, why would I not spend $9 on people that love me and love the brand and love what we're doing? Why would I spend $9 to people who are probably going to ignore and keep driving? You know, And so I just made a commitment that if we were going to, if we're going to spend advertising dollars, we're going to spend it back on the people who care and the people that enjoy our brand and, and just really give back to them. Right. I guess because it's a lot easier to convince someone to come back right, for a, a second, like come visit us twice a month instead of once a month instead of... Yeah, you know, give up all of your regular places and and come give us a shot. Yeah, and the statistics and the data on that are huge as far as how much more expensive it is, five to 25 times more expensive to get someone new to come to your restaurant. You know, um, 95% more profitable in some cases to keep a person, more, you know, coming to your restaurant or coming to your business. So it's backed with data as well, that thinking. But doesn't it make sense if you love a brand and they take care of you, then than just your, the brand spending money on advertising all the time? Oh, 100%. Yeah. Absolutely. As a customer, it makes sense, right? If there's a place that, I'd want, that I love, that they take care of me, rather than you know, spending all their money on getting new customers that may or may not come. Yeah. I, if only uh, like cell phone companies work the same way, right? They might. <laughs> they might one day. Uh, so, so, I mean, obviously, they're, they're two very popular restaurants. I, I think you've kind of overcome the hurdle of getting your name out there, but but for people who maybe haven't been to the concept, like, what do you suggest they start with? Where do you, where do you guide them on the menu? At King's Beer House? Yeah. At King's Beer House, you know, first of all, when you walk in, you see the giant barrel. So you have a decision to make. You've got three places to sit. Inside, at a communal table, or you have some private tables. You've got the bar, which is full service, or you've got the beer garden. So we, we, we designed that experience for really the guests to decide what sort of dining experience they wanted. So first that, you know, sit at the bars where I sit. The second thing is when you start with menu, typically German food, the moment people think about it is heavy sausages, schnitzels, you know, all the, all the cliches. And by the way, about cliches, we love every cliche. No, no, you have, I mean, your father parading around in lederhosen, and you have embraced the cliche. We embrace every single cliche. We absolutely love it. I think that's part of who we are, but really you can't go wrong with any of our sausages. Our giant pretzel is incredible. Our Wiener schnitzel is fantastic. Get a side of Jaeger sauce because Texans always ask, do we have gravy? And so that's our gravy. <laughs> We've got German gravy, Jaeger, uh, Jaeger mushroom sauce. Um, our sauerkraut is fantastic just because when we have the pickled cabbage, we actually drain it, repurpose it, cook it with white wine, bacon, onions, salt, pepper. So we, our sauerkraut is not nearly as sour as you may have tried at one Oktoberfest 15 years ago. Right. So, right. Or, or like, you know, bad jarred sauerkraut at a baseball game. Or yeah. Like right. Right. Ex- total opposite. And so, and at that point, we have beer. We have incredible 
very very underserved on this part, but we have incredible German wines and Austrian wines. My my family's actually from uh, right outside of Vienna called Wiener Neustadt, and we had vineyards. So my dad's actually way more of a wine drinker than he is a beer drinker. But we have cocktails, so you don't have to feel like King's Beer House. You just have beer. We have incredible cocktails, awesome wine. Um, I would highly suggest that you drink at that place. You know, it's just a fun place to drink at. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. very lively. Yeah, very, very lively. Uh, you could get a shot ski if you're with four people, and we'll bring out shots on a ski and do the tsukitsaki chant, or we'll do it for your birthday, or you can say it's your birthday, and we'll do it for you as well, right? And so <laughs> yeah, you're not you're not checking IDs. Yeah, no. We're, well, we're checking IDs when it comes to drinks, but that's it, right? right. It's a, you know, my dad was always like he never understood the 21 or older. He's like, when in Austria, as long as you can stand over the bar, you can get a drink. <laughs> and so you know, we had to talk to them about that many of times. Yeah, it's been a it's been a it's been a learning process for your father, but he I mean, he he's such a good ambassador for yes. the restaurant, and I mean I know he's sixty six, but I I assume he's there basically all the time. My dad just loves what he does, and he loves shaking hands and loves talking about the concept, loves talking about Europe, loves talking about how proud he is that he's an American citizen now. I mean, it's incredible when you see an immigrant become a citizen. How how just excited they are about that. And I became a citizen when I was 18, but my dad just recently, after 22 years, became a citizen. He put on his cowboy hat and there's American flag flying and he really gave out a really heartfelt video about how this is still the greatest country in the world and how proud he is to be an American citizen. So do you still enjoy working with your father? Because I, frankly, I can't imagine having working with mine. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm very, very grateful for my dad. and I love my dad. He's like a yin-yang you know, he's he's the one that's very eccentric, very out there. Uh, and I'm kind of the guy working in the back in the operations. And, and I don't want to do what he does. And he definitely doesn't want to do what I do. Great. Uh, well, I mean, unless you have something else you'd like to discuss, that brings me to the end of my questions. No, I appreciate the time. I had a great time. All right. So I always wrap these interviews up with something I call the lightning round. Five easy questions, five short answers. Just say the first thing that comes to mind. Okay. Philip Sitter. What uh, What is your favorite cookbook? The only cookbook I've ever seen or known is the Hotel Zacher cookbook. And so, you know, my dad translates it and we sit down and we talk about different recipes. What is the first band you ever saw in concert? Uh, Mark Anthony with my mom and my dad. <laughs> uh, what is your fast food guilty pleasure? It has to come from a restaurant with a drive-thru. The only fast food that I eat is Chick-fil-A. All right. Who is your favorite Houston sports figure, past or present? Um, not a big sports guy, but when I did play junior high basketball, is Tracy McGrady. Nice. And finally, what is your go-to pizza order? You know, I really like a great, a conscious vegetarian pizza. Nice. You know, someone that actually, when a pizza restaurant cares about the veggie pizza. All right, so give us the website and the social media and all that for kings yeah real easy on instagram that's where we're the most popular at king's beer house k-i-n-g-s-b-i-e-r-h-a-u-s and at egg house e-g-g-h-a-u-s and same thing for the dot coms yeah thank you thank you all right you can follow me on twitter at esandler on instagram at eric sandler keep it locked on culturemap.com for all the latest houston bar and restaurant news thanks so much for listening i'll be back next week